chapter twenty of carpenter's world travels alaska our northern wonderland by frank carpenter this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by betty b chapter twenty stories of gold and gold miners how would you like to stub your toe on a gold mine that is how the rhodes hall quartz mine in bedrock creek valley near fairbanks was discovered the mine has now more than a mile of underground workings and has netted its owners over two hundred thousand dollars the discoverer was l b rhodes a prospector who was mushing over the trail he had made some money placer mining but fortune had gone against him and he turned his attention to quartz on his way down the hill to the bedrock creek valley he stubbed his toe and fell headlong as he got up he looked for the cause of his stumbling and found it was a rock speckled with coarse yellow bits of gold he marked the spot got an outfit and dug down until he discovered a rich vein of quartz he staked out a claim and thawed a shaft to the fifty-foot level melting his way through with wood fires every week he crushed enough of the best rock to give him gold for his supplies for the week to come in the winter he worked underground the next spring he tunneled in on the vein and to make a long story short he finally established a mill of five stamps out of which he and his brother-in-law hall have already cleared almost a quarter of a million dollars traveling through a gold country like this makes one covetous everyone thinks gold talks gold and considering the prices at the restaurants i might also say eats and drinks gold one sees so much gold in the mines and the banks that he feels like the beggar boy with his nose flattened against the glass window of the candy store there is plenty to be had were it not for the barrier between him and the taking at the clean-ups of the camps i have handled gold nuggets as one handles shelled corn and at the assay offices i have held up ten thousand dollars worth of pure gold in one brick at dawson i saw two hundred thousand dollars worth of bricks wheeled about on a truck such as you find at a country railroad station the gold bricks were heavy and worth from fifteen thousand dollars to thirty thousand dollars apiece at the same place i saw a ton of amalgam consisting of quicksilver mixed with gold ready to be shipped out to be reduced to gold bullion i have met at fairbanks a man who has melted more than fifty million dollars worth of gold dust and nuggets this is mr g e burrow the assayer of the first national bank he is a chemist and metallurgist of note and was the government assayer at dawson when the klondike rush was on all of the banks at fairbanks have melting pots where the dust and nuggets are turned into bricks for shipment outside you see these gold bricks on the bank counters some are as small as a cake of sweet chocolate and others are so large that if one fell on your toes it would crush them the assaying and melting is usually done outside the bank mr burrow's shop is a rude zinc shed like a portable garage it contains a little furnace and the various implements of the assayer including molds and bone ash and scales so delicate that they will weigh a pencil mark on a single sheet of fine tissue paper or a single silky hair of a baby the gold dust is brought into the banks by the miners in pokes or bags of buckskin as big around as your arm and about a foot long the banker takes the poke and pours the metal out on the scales and then either pays cash outright for the gold according to weight or gives the miner a credit slip 
which entitles him to its actual value after it has been turned into bullion the gold dust is of different values some is mixed with silver and is not worth more than thirteen dollars an ounce other gold dust may be worth twenty dollars an ounce when the dust comes to mr barreau it is assayed that is it is melted and its gold content tested the assay is made after the gold is cast into bricks from each brick a corner about the size of a marrow fat pea is chiseled off this is hammered out on an anvil and run through rollers until it is as thin as a sheet of paper a little strip of this gold leaf is taken off and weighed on the fine scales it is so treated by melting in a furnace that the impurities are extracted and a little button of pure gold is left this button is weighed and its weight is subtracted from that of the strip before it was melted the result shows the proportion of pure gold in the brick and there are tables giving its value in dollars and cents i asked the assayer whether he did not covet the metal he handled he replied i never think of the value i have been working in gold so long that the stuff seems to me just like corn or oats in the hands of a farmer when i first began to assay at dawson i had never seen gold dust and nuggets in quantity before and i almost went crazy i liked the looks of the gold and i bought nuggets and gold pins and chains made of them i wore a nugget as a scarf pin and had nugget cuff buttons after a time i grew tired of them and gave them away i asked mr barreau about his early experiences in dawson when fortunes were made in a week said he the gold came so easily that they almost threw it about the miners would go from saloon to saloon treating the crowd and throwing their pokes to the bartender to weigh out the amount of each treat they were so careless that a man might take out double the quantity and not be detected a miner might have a thousand dollars worth of gold in his bag and spend it all in an evening now and then one would come into a dance hall and taking his seat in the gallery call one of the girls to stand under him while he poured gold dust into her hair a dance hall girl might thus clean up fifty dollars in a single shampoo i remember a miner named hauser who fell in love with a girl and got her to marry him by paying her what she weighed in gold dust as she stepped on the scales and tipped the beam at one hundred and thirty five pounds avoirdupois she weighed more than twenty one hundred ounces troy weight which at eighteen dollars an ounce made his wife cost him over thirty eight thousand dollars similar extravagances prevailed here at fairbanks when the camp was in the height of its glory miners are always generous and communities like this are far more charitable than those in a long settled country said mr l t irwin united states marshal at fairbanks to me the other day the people here are the most generous on earth it is no trick to raise five hundred dollars to send a sick man or woman outside only a few months ago a man was taken outside with a trained nurse and enough money was sent along to pay his hospital expenses in seattle i have lived in alaska eighteen years and in all that time i have not seen one person obliged to go begging we have you know many unsuccessful men the marshal continued mining is to a large extent a gamble and where one man succeeds there are hundreds who fail i remember an instance of a man who came to fairbanks to make his fortune leaving his wife and family outside he found no gold and finally fell sick 
and died in a cabin on one of the creeks when the miners looked over his papers they found a letter that had just come from his wife in a little town in massachusetts the letter was full of news about the baby that had been born since the father had left and inside it was one of the baby's stockings the miners stood around the dead body in the cabin as the letter was read and when the stocking was shown the tears ran down their faces one of them reached out and took it he pulled forth his poke and poured in enough gold dust and nuggets to fill up the toe another miner poured in more dust and this kept on the stocking passing from hand to hand until it was filled but all had not yet contributed the gold was then poured onto the table the miner who did so saying we'll dump this and start over again in the end it was passed around the whole camp with the result that five thousand dollars worth of gold dust was collected and the money therefore sent to the widow united states marshal irwin has the unique distinction of being the only man who has ever driven a flock of turkeys from the pacific ocean across the mountains into the klondike gold region we had been talking about old times when he told me this story my father then lived near danville kentucky in one of the chief turkey and goose raising sections of the united states when i was a boy turkey raising was a regular business there and we sometimes drove our turkeys and geese as far as sixty miles to the markets we had to put shoes on the geese before starting out i laughed you need not smile said the marshal that is the truth we made the shoes by driving the geese through melted pitch and then through sand the sand and pitch stuck to their feet and gave them a pair of hard shoes well when i came to the klondike and saw the high prices they were getting for poultry i concluded i'd make a fortune by bringing livestock from outside i left the camp and went to seattle where i bought six hundred chickens and eighty-four turkeys i took them on a steamer a thousand miles northward to daia and from there sent the chickens by wagon over the white pass the turkeys i drove it was no trouble except they would persist in stopping at night you cannot prevent a turkey from going to roost when the sun sets i tried it but the turkeys would jump up on the rocks you might push them off but they would go on a few steps and then get up again however i finally got them over the range and down to lake labarge whence i took them by boat into dawson how did you succeed in the sale very well but i had to learn how to sell them there was a great competition for fresh fowl among the provision men and everyone wanted to corner the market and crowd out the others when i entered the first store and told them i had eighty turkeys and six hundred chickens the dealer's face fell for he saw that he could not monopolize such an enormous proposition as that i changed my plan kept my mouth shut about the supply and began to peddle them in small numbers i got twenty dollars apiece for the turkeys and from eight to ten dollars for the chickens altogether i got three thousand dollars out of my chickens and two thousand from the turkeys so that my gross receipts for the trip were five thousand dollars end of chapter twenty